Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, and welcome to episode 157 of My Time Capsule. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens, and I'm assuming that quite a number of you have listened to this podcast before and know the so-called format, the one where I ask my guests to choose four things they cherish from any time in their life and one thing they would like to forget, or five things to be preserved in a time capsule. And their choices are fundamentally what we talk about. The vast number of things they have to choose from create the unpredictability of this podcast. Luckily, my guest in this episode is the TV presenter and author Fern Britton, who has been on our screen since the early 1980s, starting as a reporter on Westwood Television before going national with the BBC's Breakfast Time, TVS's Coast to Coast, London Tonight, Top of the Morning for GMTV, and After Five for Colton. She also appeared in the first two series of The Brian Connolly Show. Finally, she became the presenter of This Morning with Philip Schofield. She also presented the cookery game show Ready Steady Cook, her own chat show, and the Big Allotment Challenge and the Antiques Game Show for what it's worth. Fern was a contestant on the 10th series of Strictly Come Dancing and most recently presented Fishing Scotland's Locks and Rivers. Fern now lives in Cornwall and over the last 10 years has become a best-selling author, having published nine novels and a number of short stories. She is the daughter of the actor Tony Britton and the sister of the actor Jasper Britton and Jasper just happened to be with her when we linked up on Zoom. And this is what ensued. Cheers. Look who I've got with me here, Jasper. Hello, Jasper. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you? I haven't seen you for years. Years and years and years. And uh, and you're now going to say, and you haven't changed, changed at all. <laughs> <laughs> and you haven't. God, how brilliant. Look at you two. 
This takes us back, doesn't it? It does. You were a young lad, weren't you, Jasper? I was. We both were. Yeah. It was so was I. I have a very clear image of what you were. <laughs> in fact, I think I've even got a photograph of it. I have a photograph of you lying in a white bikini on an island in the China Sea. Hello. Uh, sunbathing. I know. It's in my private collection. <laughs> <laughs> when I die, and if you're still alive, please put that one out for the obituaries, won't you? Oh, I will, yeah. There's a whole boat full of young actors all going, bloody hell. <laughs> well, thank you. Set off. I will. Get there safely. See you, Mike. Lovely to see you, Jasper. Hope to see you again soon. Yeah. Good to see you, darling. Have a good Zoom. Thank you. We will. Have a lovely time. I've got to close the door, bub. Sorry. That's right. Here I am. How lovely to see you. It's lovely to see you too. Oh, (laughs) I'll set that picture up a bit better. Is that any better? Yeah, it's fine. But that's just so we can see each other, really. This only goes out as an audio, so it's uh, just me and you chatting. Oh, is it? I put makeup on and everything, bugger. (laughs) (laughs) Right, well, I've made a list here. Oh, yes, right, I've got it. Yes, good. Right. What a lovely surprise that was. Do you mean Jasper? Yeah. He said he might come in on his way to Truro to pick up some lovely pod yachts that he bought from a Truro auction. Oh, right, yeah. And he's had a cup of tea and now he's on his way. Brilliant. There was something that Jasper said to your dad about me that I've always, always hung on to. It's a really lovely thing when you're a young actor and you think, you know, well, I'm doing this, but nobody's noticing. Yeah. And Tony said to me one day, he said, you know, Jasper was with us last week in Newcastle, wasn't he? He said to me that during the trial scene in St. Joan, he watched you the entire time. And I said, really? Why? He said, because he couldn't believe that you weren't going to, at some point, drop your concentration (gasps) and stop listening. Because a very long scene. And all I had to do was sit there as a monk and watch it every night. To have somebody say that to you, it was a real uplift, I remember, as a young actor, the fact that he'd noticed that. I'd listened to the entire scene. I remember at the time thinking, wow. And then, of course, realising that thing that you ought to realise as an actor, that, of course, somebody in the audience is watching you. Yes. Yes. But that's odd, isn't it? Because you think, oh, no one's watching. But brilliant. And do you remember always sitting there and actively listening and watching? I do. I remember making the decision early on because in rehearsals sometimes, you know, we would be going, you'd go through it over and over again, very long speeches, and people were playing games. And I thought, no, I'm not going to do this. It's important that I, you know, I'll be given this chance. I'm going to do it properly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that lovely? That is lovely, actually. And, uh... Yes, he's still, Jazz is still as um, observant as ever. It's great because then when you see someone's career go the way his has gone and see the marvellous things he's done, Mm -hmm. you sort of go, well, of course, Mm -hmm. because it's that sort of detail that makes somebody a really great actor. Yes, you've got to care about it, and he really does. He's going into rehearsal on Monday for Habeas Corpus at the Chocolate Factory, so... Oh, how fabulous. Mm. Patrick Marber is directing, so... Very nice, I like Patrick Marber. Yes, I knew Patrick Marble when he was quite young. In fact, we did something together and then we went out to dinner, I remember, in Norwich. And he sat with me and an actor called Robert Bathurst and uh, yeah. Gina McKee yes. and Janine Davitsky. And he said, so what's your plan for your career? And we all laughed. I said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, I know exactly what I'm going to do. And he actually did do exactly what he said he was going to do until he hit writer's block, as it were. Mm. So you never can really predict what life is going to throw at you, can you? No, I think I think it's pointless to try and predict, frankly. I've never mm. ever done anything other than follow my nose. Yeah. You know. 
<laughs> anyway. We shall find out as we talk about the things that you're going to put into a time capsule. So let's find out what your first item would be, Fern. My first item would be 1973. Because <laughs> in 1973, I was 15, 16, and um, in anybody's eyes, the era they grew up in was the best. And 1973 mm. hit that sweet spot for me, and it was Oh, I mean, David Bowie, of course, was being Ziggy Stardust. And I went to a concert of his at Dell's Court. And I had the, you know, the David Bowie scarf. And I just, I was so Ziggy-fied. It wasn't true. <laughs> there was T-Rex and everything was on the scene, wasn't it? Mm. Tiger Feet, the song and all of that stuff. And now when you, you hear... um Oh, gosh, this is a trouble, isn't it? 40 years on, you just don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you start talking drivel. But um, um, ballroom blitz, I really encourage anybody to go and have a look at that. It is disco inferno. It is terrific. Yes. <laughs> and there used to be, for those who don't perhaps remember, I mean, Bieber is still around in the House of Fraser, I think. Mm. But the original Bieber, did you ever go to Bieber? It was in the old Derry and Tom's building, I think. And it had moved from a very small shop into this enormous, palatial, huge shop that had been the department store. And Bieber clothes were just like nothing anyone had ever seen before. There was printed chiffon long smock dresses. There were huge brimmed hats with tiny little crowns. So they were like pillboxes with the huge brims. I got a pair of brown satin strappy wedge sandals are just I'm like kept falling over in them because they had a platform as well <laughs> um the dressing rooms were enormous and all with zebra print and leopard print wallpaper up the walls everywhere was green plants growing all the clothes not on stands but on hat stands you just find a hat stand with a few clothes thrown on it the makeup the music the Everything about Bieber, I was and wanted to be. And the thing I still have from that time is a pair of lime green satin loons, which were very tight trousers. Do you remember loons? I do very well, yes. And loons were very tight, generally cotton trousers. And you put them on and within two minutes, they'd expanded. They stretched in a flash. So you only had to wear them for two minutes and look good. And then they were used to they'd fall off. <laughs> and we had no lycra in those days, you see. But the satin, these lime green satin bell-bottom trousers I had are just incredible with a fuchsia pink zip-up biker jacket. Oh. Uh, and my, I mean... I was the bloody bee's knees, obviously. <laughs> Fantastic clothes. I've still got them. They're just lovely. Fantastic. I mean, you describe that. I can picture you in them. And wow, <laughs> that's an amazing look. Yeah. That's really iconic as well, isn't it? It is iconic. And hot pants. I mean, real hot pants that were tiny little sort of, don't look like your eyes are lighting up, tiny little <laughs> rust velvet coloured hot pants with tights and those wrinkly boots that you'd pull on. They were very stretchy PVC boots. I remember riding on the dodgems and I mean, there's something so sexy about the boys on the dodgems, isn't there? I mean, it's all exciting. That's why everybody loved David Essex. Yes! Who didn't mm. love David Essex? Did you mm. see him in Godspell? I did. Isn't that funny? we should talk about that because I was just talking about that just the other day to somebody saying that actually I went with school friends and all the schoolgirls in our group went up 
at the interval and drank wine with him. Yes, that's what I did. Ah. Yes. And it was astonishing to come on, come on, come up on stage. Yeah. And he was lovely. And it was oh. all at the Roundhouse in Chalk Farm. And it was just the best. Did you see it at the Ch- Chalk Farm? Or had it moved by then? Maybe it had moved. It had moved. Yeah, it oh, moved yeah. to... The Cambridge Theatre. Mm. Yeah, it moved there. But I do remember wanting to be David Essex. Absolutely. I thought he was a god. Mike, listen, at that stage, when I first met you, you were a god. (laughs) Funniest, most handsome man. You were lovely. (laughs) We were both very young and very innocent, but I did admire you from afar, so don't worry about that. Oh, well, I'm I'm honoured. I can't believe it. Jeremy Irons was in that production as well, wasn't he? Jeremy who? (laughs) No. What was he? He wasn't. He started it. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Good heavens. Well, my eyes are obviously on stalks for David Essex, frankly. Yes. <laughs> I have some friends who went for comic relief around Africa playing football against local football teams. Yes. And David Essex was one of this group. Yeah. And every night they would sit in the bush drinking beer and say to him, come on, sing us a song, David. And he went, no, no I'm not going to. Yeah. And they couldn't get him to sing until the very last night when he said, right, that's me off. I'm off. I'm going to go. Uh, but before I go... I just want to say how much I've enjoyed it. So hold me close, don't let me go. Oh, no. Oh, (laughs) again, anyone who hasn't ever listened to any David Essex needs to just check it out. Mm -hmm. We are talking about an era that is very specific, but I also think that actually when people talk about the 60s, very few people experience the 60s. Maybe Mick Jagger and a couple of other people. That was about it. (laughs) But actually... We all had our 60s in the 70s. Yeah. Lots of people had fun then. We really did. It was so much fun. It was to do with the music. It was to do with the clothes, the smells. Everyone wore musk. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, How we did our hair, how we did our makeup. I mean, I did used to paint little white daisies underneath my eyebrows and around my cheek and all that sort of stuff. Of course, the makeup then didn't stick. It just was off in 10 seconds, but it was preparing for it, you know. Mm. It was a wonderful time. And also then we seemed to have such good summers, the summer of 76, you know, that very Mm. hot summer. And I was at drama school at that stage and uh, stage managing. I was never an actress. And we were working on a big show. It was our end of year show. And all the actors were told not to go into the sunlight because it'll dry your throat and it won't do any good grubby old techs like me we were allowed to just go and do whatever we wanted as long as we <laughs> remembered to wash that was okay but it was <laughs> the sitting out on the steps of the central school in swiss cottage sitting out on the steps and that baking sunshine with the roads melting mm. and 10 cc i'm not in love i mean uh, no we're, we're going a bit beyond 1973 now but but it all of that was ah everything about it was wonderful so you must have had experiences through your career then when those people have suddenly turned up in front of you. Did you turn into the young girl you were? Yeah, absolutely. Barbara Hooley, who was Bieber, um, I interviewed her about 10, 12 years ago. And of course, you know, she's, well, she's an older lady, shall we just put it that way, still as cool as an icebox, wonderful, sharp haircut, always wears sunglasses, always looks great and elegant in her clothes. So when I met her, I was a bit drooling. And the same with um, Mary Quant, who had a a makeup range called Makeup 
to make love in. And <laughs> of course, I mean, I was very young, so I wasn't into sex at that particular time. Not much now either, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I interviewed her years later and I said, no, I met her at a party. And I said, oh my gosh, you'll make up to make love in. She went, yeah, it was good, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was really good. <laughs> All those funny things. Yes, fabulous things. I mean, a fabulous time, I have to say, 1973, because also there are so many pressures on young people now they're they're made to be aware so early of their responsibilities in the world and we didn't have that no no we didn't I mean there was at school we had to pass our O levels and if you're lucky go into A levels and then university for those who were absolutely super brainy bright the rest Mm -hmm. of us went off and did something else but there was also a job to go to yeah you know my friends who left school after O levels when they were 15 16 17 they would get a job in the bank or in nursing there was jobs we had a future we could have fun there was great music Everything about it was good. But now you're right. The responsibilities, I mean, the pressure kids are under just to get their GCSEs, let alone A-levels, let alone their degrees, and then come out with a great big debt around their necks. It's, mm. Of course, depression is flooding through the young Yes. Whilst being told, actually, you need to clean up the mess that everybody else has made or the world's going to fall apart. We've lumbered them with that. I was thinking the other day about you know climate change and thinking, right, what have I actually got to do? So unfortunately in Cornwall, where I am, we don't have gas. Well, I say unfortunately, it doesn't matter. But So we're on oil, but oil is grim. So I think, right, okay, I'm going to have to get rid of the oil tank, uh, get rid of the boiler, um, go on a heat exchanging boiler. I think that's the phrase now. Yeah. Buy myself an electric car. And by the time you sort of tot all that up in your mind, that's quite a lot of money. And then you think... Blimey, and, and there's not much of an incentive currently, apart from the fact that we're blowing up the world. So we will all have to approach this. We really will. And I will, I'm going to promise myself I will in the next five years get all that sorted out. Yes. I thought everybody in Cornwall already had a windmill. <laughs> well, yeah, there are a lot around and they're very beautiful. I have no problem with that. But no, I'm in a very small village and a big, a big windmill here would... Uh, cause some problems <laughs> yes we're, we're all on septic tanks as well so you, that causes enough of a problem don't start we're lucky to have water frankly <laughs> i don't know i'm very tempted to just put those hot pants into the time capsule <laughs> <laughs> well the whole of 1973 is going in if that's all right with you absolutely the whole of 1973 and what a joy <laughs> can i visit yes of course we can of course we can <laughs> Okay, right, that's the first thing, 1973. So what's your second item? Well, there's so many things to think about, but I would say Father Christmas because it's very, very, very important to believe in magic. It stimulates your imagination, your creativity, everything about the impossibility or the possibility of impossibility is very, very important, which is why a lot of people like sci-fi and stuff like that, which is not my thing. But um, my children have been wonderful. They have never, ever, ever spoiled the magic for me. Never. And the only time Father Christmas let me down was my first Christmas absolutely on my own, living down in Cornwall. I was working down here. I was about 24. Um, And he didn't come. Uh, I got up in the morning and he didn't come. 
But then I realized, no, that's okay. That's fine, you know, because I'm happy. I'm fine. But since then, he's always arrived. It is so important for the magic. It really is. I happen to have a Christian faith, but I'm not too bothered uh, about thinking that Jesus was born on Christmas Day. I'm quite sure he wasn't. But, um, you know, that's fine. I will. I, li- I like to go to the carol services and things. Um, but, you know, there's nothing wrong in celebrating a bit of pagan belief and a bit of magic. So I think he's great. I think everything about him is important. I once took the children to Lapland and we were there for Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, came home Boxing Day. Wow. Yeah, and on Christmas morning, we were taken on sledges, drawn by scooters, of course, not uh, reindeer, (laughs) to this, all we could see as we went up this virgin snow was a a chimney sticking out of the snow. And then they parked around the front, and there was Father Christmas's house. And he, he called us in, me and the four kids, and we sat down, and he looked at my son Jack, and he said, you've grown since last year. Perfect. I have once in my life pretended to be the real Father Christmas. It was fun, but I sort of cheated. I mean, the real Father Christmas obviously knows every child's name and all about them. But I, I cheated. I got a little elf at the front to chat to the child and then come round and tell me all the information in my ear. And then I had it all. But the children were young enough to be fooled by that trick. And the delight on their face when you'd say, hello, Peter, by word, I can't believe you're five already. And I know what you want for Christmas. They would just be open mouth. Well, I was tingling. You did that right. That was the right voice and everything. But of course, Father Christmas has to have people to go out and and spread the message. Mm -hmm. He can't do everything. He can't do everything. No, unfair to ask him to. I think once you lose the magic, Mm -hmm. then Father Christmas goes. I mean, why would he bother? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Some child did say to me, not my own, I don't believe in Father Christmas. And I said, well, lucky for you, Father Christmas believes in you. Uh, they went, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you still do stockings? Yes. I, it wasn't something that happened in my childhood. So once I got the children, of course, they all had stockings. The only thing is, <laughs> for mum, no one does a stocking for mum. But as soon as the children got old enough to think, where's mum's stocking? I get one now. Ah. Uh. They obviously had a word with the big man. Yes, because, I mean, sometimes you do say, listen, like, if I'm looking for a parking space, I think, oh, by the way, you have to ask St. Philomena for parking spaces. So (laughs) give it about 20 minutes before you get there and just say, St. Philomena, if there's parking space, please may I have it. If it's not for me today, that's fine. Someone might need it more. That's fine. But generally, one crops up. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, I think... Someone like St. Philomena must have filled up my stocking, but it's all good. Yeah, it's all good. (laughs) Lovely. Sister Philomena taught me to play the piano. Did she? I was brought up Catholic and went to the convent to have piano lessons from Sister Philomena, who was, I think, very much St. Philomena. She was the most extraordinarily beautiful woman. Yeah. And very, very patient with me. And she would say, (laughs) have you been practising, Michael? And I'd say, um... Yeah. Say, well, let's see what you've done then. Come on. And none of us ever did, though, did we? No. No. One of my middle names is Philomena. Is it? It is. I've got firm Mary Philomena. And people often think that I must be Catholic. I happen not to be. But um, there's a lot of Irish in the family, so there you go. 
Lovely. Lovely name. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. Yes. Anyway, you know, Father Christmas, a very, very important thing, I think, in everyone's life. It is. I don't blame you for wanting to put him in there and make sure that he keeps going. Yes, he has to. I mean, good heavens. Supposing somebody said Cinderella wasn't real. <laughs> <laughs> the wonder of children when they see something extraordinary. I taught my grandchildren drawing the shortest straw the other day. Yeah. They'd not heard it. I said, oh, well, you've drawn the short straw. And my granddaughter said, what? Yeah. So I got the things you stir coffee with. Picks, yeah. And I broke one in half and I put them all there. And I said, right, we'll all pick. And they love this game, even though really it's supposed to be a game that ends in the shortest person you know, getting shot or something, mm-hmm. traditionally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. But they were delighted. Oh, yes, I've got the short one. They thought it was that game. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like Old Maid. I win Old Maid all the time. Children say, apparently, I've lost. But no, I win with her every time. Do you, have you played Old Maid recently? I haven't played it recently, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Just going to throw into that as well. Mm. I joked about Cinderella, oh, as if she doesn't exist. But James Bond. Yeah. Yeah. He keeps us all safe. Exactly. There's no doubt about it. Bravest man on the planet. Yeah. Mm. Have you seen his latest outing? I haven't. No, no. I'm amazed that somebody managed to keep up with him and film it all. It's impressive. Yeah. No, it's like a kind of reality show. They just follow him. But this this latest <laughs> one is extremely good. <laughs> <laughs> what an extraordinary idea that would be. <laughs> You're a secret agent and he always says, hi, I'm James Bond. <laughs> and everybody says, well, it's all right. I can see the film crew following you around, mate. <laughs> he screeches the Aston Martin to a halt. <laughs> uh, oh, brilliant. Fun. All right. So Father Christmas goes into your time capsule. That's lovely. Right. So that's two items. Let's see what number three is. Right, I hope you're having fun so far. Uh, We're going to take a short break here in case anyone wants to try and sell you something. I hope they do because that's how we get paid. But we'll be back before you can say Jiminy Cricket. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back. Anybody say Jiminy Cricket? Well, as long as you didn't say it out loud. Okay, let's find out what else Fern Britton would like to put in her time capsule. 
Well, I've been having a think about this. You know, people always say the best thing since sliced bread. No, I think it's that something has to be very good to be better than kitchen towel. <laughs> you know, paper towel, kitchen towel, absolutely vital. I have at least three rolls on the go in each corner of the kitchen. It goes, for instance, inside the microwave, particularly when you're doing porridge or baked beans, and one that inevitably all spills over, your kitchen towel is there. Fern, I've never thought of that. Exactly. I feel like an idiot. Well, yeah, just, you know, so that's number one. Number yeah. two, the cats, uh, we now have three. One's 13, one's six, and the other one's 14 weeks. And they're very, very sweet, uh, obviously. But the one who's 14, 13, 14, he is currently, well, let's just say he's not so good and has decided to just be incontinent wherever he stands. But if you constantly have a roll of kitchen towel and put it under him wherever he is, Perfect. That's that sorted out. Also under their food bowls, because they like to spread it everywhere. So that's all neatly wrapped up. And I'm thinking kitchen towel, it's only a bit of flimsy paper that's probably been recycled a few times anyway, and will rot down. This is quite a good thing. Yeah. You know, when you've got the big frying pan or the roasting tin, and it's full of grease and oil, some people... Put that down the sink, which is why we get the fatbergs. If you let it just solidify, swoop it out with some kitchen towel, pop it in the bin, you're done. You see where I'm going with this? I feel like I'm back on this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And <laughs> women in particular, or could be anybody, but I'm just suggesting. So <laughs> on my dressing table, you know how easy it is to get makeup all over the place. What do you put on top of the dressing table? Lovely couple of sheets of <laughs> Then you can clean your brushes on it. You know, you can wipe off mascara. It's all there, into the bin, done. And just, honestly, kitchen towel has changed the world. <laughs> yes, I'm going to agree with everything you say. Yeah. And you will be doing the microwave trick now. I know you will. I will be. And you know what? I sometimes play dame in pantomime, and I'm going to put down paper towel as well. We all put a hand towel down, don't we, to put paper on? Then we've got to wash that. No, you always just throw it away. It's so full of makeup. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I just said, no, kitchen towel in the car. I mean, someone is inevitably going to be sick or they're eating a McDonald's and it's all just have the kitchen towel on a tray, on a tray. Say you're setting up a tea tray and there's a teapot and the milk and a couple of mugs. Inevitably, it's going to spill when you pour it. Kitchen towel underneath. Out. <laughs> it solves out every problem, doesn't it? You can't do that with sliced bread. That's what I'm saying. No. So the best thing before and since is definitely kitchen towel. Correct. Okay. Good. I accept that argument entirely. Thank you. Have you tried the stuff that they always advertise as being stronger and lasting longer? Well, that's the one I use because that's the best. The others kind of disintegrate a bit like loo paper, which is built to disintegrate. Now, if you lose loo paper on a pool of water that's fallen, it'll all disintegrate. Mm. No, no, you, you've got to get the best kitchen towel. And, it, you know, there's big rolls... <laughs> It's very economical because you don't have to use twice as much. <laughs> okay. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Good. <laughs> right. Kitchen roll goes in there with 1973 and Father Christmas. It's yes. quite a collection so far. Yes. So we've got two more items to put in, Fern. 
Two more, but two more before I get to the one that I want to bury forever. Well, normally we do one more that you like, so oh, right. four that you like, and one that you want to bury forever. So you okay. can do it in any order you like. Actually, I just wondered because I was this one is sort of shouting at me, which I think I want to say. No, I'll stick with ones that are important. The next important thing is mint jelly. Mm. It just is brilliant with everything, and will always cheer me up. And when the mint comes up in the garden. And I have an apple tree, so I can make my own mint jelly. Mm. And I entered the village show this year with my mint jelly. And unfortunately, I came third because apparently I had it in the wrong jar. Now, don't buy mint jelly that's been coloured because obviously it's like bright green. Real mint jelly is almost sort of pinky brown, like a like a, an apple that's just been cut open and exposed to the air. It goes that colour, you know. Mm. And these, this is very important because mint jelly goes with everything, obviously with lamb. You can mix it with a little bit of mayonnaise and dollop it on new potatoes. That's very nice. You can add it to a vinaigrette and pour that over a salad. Completely delicious. <laughs> yeah, mint is probably my favourite, apart from coriander. Yeah, but you see, coriander you can't possibly make into a jelly. I don't know. It doesn't sort of keep that flavour. But mint, <laughs> mint jelly uh, is absolutely, if I could put it on porridge, I would. I could have it on um, toast, you know, with sausages. Oh, my gosh, it's good. With cheese. If you've run out of chutney in an emergency, add some mint jelly. You see where I'm coming from? I do. Now, I just happen to have a jar of mint jelly uh, that I opened the other day that somebody had made. It was delicious, but I opened it because we had one of our rare forays into eating lamb, which we don't do very often. And then I put it in the fridge thinking, it's going to be a long time before we eat any more of that. But now suddenly... Yes, suddenly it's sounding good. Yeah. Yeah, particularly good in a vinaigrette on potatoes. New potatoes. Oh. Can you see it? I can absolutely see why that would work. Yeah. Not bad with ham either. Good, decent ham. Very, very good. But then again, I am someone who likes to mix up an awful lot of (laughs) (laughs) flavours. But, you know, it's good stuff. And you've always got the kitchen towel in case it makes you sick. Yes. (laughs) When I'm bottling and pouring pouring stuff into the jars <laughs> what do i use underneath of course kitchen towel father christmas i leave it out for him he loves it i can see you laying kitchen towel in front of the fireplace on christmas eve just in case he comes in with muddy boots well i'm not that stupid come on mike <laughs> i mean i like to see his snowy footprints on the carpet Yes. All right. And when we were little, we we did put out cigarettes for him as well as whiskey and mince pies. But, you know, those days of having the Benson and Hedges. Yes, I picture your father with a cigarette in hand. Yes, yes. Yes. You see, I didn't grow up with my father. That's an interesting thing. He Mm. had already left before I was born. So I never had a Christmas with him until I was about 50. Isn't that strange? Yeah, that is strange. And my brother, who we have same father, different mother, my brother last summer for the first time ever went swimming in the sea together. And we we would jump it about like children, you know. <laughs> I was 62 and he's, no, 63 probably last year. And uh, he's, um, well, five years between us. Isn't that funny? And we were so, we were like, oh, we're in the sea together. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Finally, after all these years. Yeah. Did you know your father taught me to project? 
Did he? Yes. He was very generous when we toured together and he said, look, my agent has booked me all these lovely sort of country cottages to stay in, but it's a bit lonely. Do any of the younger members of the cast want to come and stay there? We said, well, I don't think we can afford it, Tony. And he said, no, don't worry about that. But of course, so we jumped at it. Oh. Bless him. I mean, we all got free accommodation. He said, I tell you what, you buy the food and you cook. I'll buy the wine and you come and stay. And we did. We stayed in him all over the country and had the most fantastic time. And I think at about three o'clock in the morning, uh, drinking whiskey, he said, you know, you tend to shout. You don't project. And I said, do I? I said, I didn't go to drama school, so I, I was never really taught. And he said, I'll teach you now. And we walked out into the middle of a field and we, we howled at the moon. <gasps> brilliant. Really brilliant. He used to, he would, if it, I'm just, not that this is a particularly exciting microphone, but I'll just move away a bit, see, make sure I do this right. But he, he always called me Fifi or Fief. So I'd go, Fief! Up the stairs. Which <laughs> <laughs> was always good. And I managed to do that with the kids. If they're an acre away, I can always call the kids back. Yeah, so, it's a useful skill to have. Yes, it is. It very, very much is, yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, I loved your dad. I'm glad to hear that because he was an amazing person and uh, we lost him two years ago. Yes. He got to 95, (laughs) Mm. but he was, you know, slightly forgetful as he was getting older. And there was one moment when he had to go into hospital um, because he'd fallen and bumped his head. So he was in A&E and wrapped up in in one of those gowns they give you for x-ray. And it was a ladies one. It was all covered in sprigs with flowers and things. And my brother was with him at the time. And my father said to my brother, what costume have they put me in here? This is a ladies dress. (laughs) And nurse said, no, it's for this bit, the, the important bit in the play for you. Oh, yes, yes, they've done a wonderful job, wonderful job. And then a nurse walked past and he, of course, grinned at her. And he said, don't tell anyone, but I'm having an affair with the leading lady. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyway, great. Yes, very, very funny, very generous, very, very good company. And very generously, I remember he always called me his son because I played his son in the Shakespeare play we did together. He said, ah, here comes my son. It lifted my heart. It really did. Bless him. Oh, that's mm. oh, that's nice. Because you and I met when you were on tour with him in Hong Kong. Yes. Doing The Tempest. That's right. Yes. Young Ferdinand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, I went over for a week, I think, to see him. And you were, as a company, you were all very generous and welcomed me as well. And it was a nice week, very sunny and fun, wasn't it? It was good. Mm, it was fabulous. We went out on that junk, didn't we? Sailing around. I've got some lovely photographs of Tony Quayle on that boat, mm. looking very at home, because he spent 15 years of his life sailing around the world. Yes, and wasn't that why he called it the Compass Theatre Company, perhaps? Indeed. He was virtually the man who started the Royal Shakespeare Company. And then afterwards lived on a junk, 40-foot junk, and would only do work that he could sail to. Isn't that amazing? That's marvellous. Who are they talking about? Tony Quayle. Just have a look at Ice Cold and Alex. If you're going to listen to this podcast, you may need to do some Googling if you're under 30. But it's <laughs> worth it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. We seem to have drifted off mint jelly. Yes. But it's definitely going into the time capsule. Mm. And now we've got one thing to go. This is the bad thing that I'd like to put and bury and we don't see again. Mm. Itchy labels. <laughs> Quite right. Yes. 
I mean, it's getting ridiculous now as well. I mean, the odd itchy label when you were young and the back of your vest or something was annoying enough. But now they're like books. There's pages and pages and pages of labels within jumpers and shirts and vests and knickers and bras and all in different languages. I don't need to read it in Japanese. Just do the sign. Can I hand wash or is it in the machine? But they are the most appalling things on the planet. And then those ones you can't even pull out quickly. They're sewn into the seam. Mm. So you cut them out and then you get a hole in the seam. Yes? Mm. I know exactly what you're talking about. And then some of them have buttons attached, spare buttons. That gets cut out. I can understand. But what... I don't know why they're doing it. It's a waste of energy and time. Some T-shirts now are just printed on the inside, aren't they? So it's printed who they're by and what the size is. Mm. I think that's all I need. But I have so many clothes with holes in the back of the neck or in the side seam where I've cut things out. And mm. it's like Princess and the Pea. The minute I put something on, I know there's a label in, even if I haven't looked. I go, no. This is no good, particularly knickers. Um, why put a label in the back of a pair of tights, for goodness sake? I think you have labels in socks sometimes, don't you, chaps? Yes. Anywhere where it's going to be really itchy and irritating all day long, they stick a label. <laughs> Always in the most inconvenient place, you're right. And in fact, I did once have a label inside a jumper that had a spare piece of material the same <laughs> as the jumper, as if I was going to patch it. Well, it was thoughtful. It must have been an expensive jumper. <laughs> it was. I mean, you're paying extra for yeah, a square inch of cashmere. I don't care. <laughs> it's like they'd give me the leftovers. Here's a jumper, and these are the bits that were left over. You can have those as well. And also, perhaps, you know, if you buy a few more jumpers, you could make another one out of all these spare labels. No. Indeed. Very Paul Smith. Exactly. Mm. But now, I'm quite glad that we can all walk around looking quite shabby and ripped and torn and a bit dusty. Uh, the only mm. thing of jeans with, you know, the rips in the knees... Have you ever had a pair of those? They come with rips in the knees. I've not had any that came with rips in the knees. I mean, I've had jeans that eventually became ripped to the knee. Yes. Well, you know, you spend a fortune on buying a pair of jeans that are ripped at the knees. You put your foot inside the leg, push down, the toes get stuck in the hole, (laughs) and the whole blooming thing's ripped there. (laughs) I thought that the other day. I saw a girl walking down the street, and the jeans were ripped from where her pockets were, right down to where her feet were. And you thought, how on earth do you get them on? (laughs) I find that if you wrap your foot in a bit of kitchen towel, then that (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but all itchy labels should be banned. They annoy children. They annoy babies who are put in a nice, soft little baby grow to go to bed in their bloody things itching around the back of their necks. That keeps them up. They're pointless. There may even be a a sort of an environmental reason for doing that, I think. Yes. You know, I know it's only a tiny little bit of cloth, but every single item of clothing has three or four of these extra bits sewn in. Why? I don't know. And they need to go because they're not even soft fabric. They are itchy fabric. So they buy itchy fabric to make itchy labels. And the answer is get rid of them. Scare them. Well, Fern, they're gone. They're gone. They're in the time capsule. They're buried. They'll never bother you again. Oh, that's made me feel very happy. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, you've, you've made me feel very happy. It's been absolutely lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you inviting me. I've really enjoyed that. And it's lovely to see you again as well. You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my guest, Fern Britton. 
We didn't solve the world's problems, but we had a lovely time. And we got rid of itchy labels, so that's good. If you enjoyed listening, then please do subscribe to this podcast. And then you'll get every new episode as it's released. Of course, it's up to you whether you listen to them all, but you'll have them, and you never know what the next episode will bring. And you can find out what we're up to if you follow us on Twitter or Instagram, where John, the producer of this podcast, and I are happy to answer any questions and are delighted to hear your suggestions for future guests. And if you happen to be friends with Brad Pitt, perhaps you'd like to put in a word. The theme music was written by Pass the Peas Music and is available on Spotify. This was a cast-off production, primarily for Acast, but mostly for your listening pleasure. All beautifully produced by the aforementioned John, who also has the surname Fenton Stevens, which of course is a proud combination of my wife's family name, Fenton, and my father's name, Stevens. Yeah, you know, to keep the memories alive. I mean, my dad fought in the Second World War. He fought with Monty in Africa. He fought with Eisenhower in France. And then, finally, he fought with Patton in Java. He didn't get on with anybody, my dad. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.